On behalf of the congregation of Kilworth United Church, I welcome you to this service. You may not be looking at this in the morning. You may have chosen some other time to look at it, but whenever it is that you are worshiping, I welcome you and hope that this worship service is meaningful and brings uh, a word of hope and encouragement to you and to your household. Before I go any further in our worship service, I would like to acknowledge that the territory on which uh, we are meeting here in Kilworth is the traditional territory of the Muncie and Delaware of the Thames nations. And we give thanks for the stewardship of this land and we pledge to work together to make sure that this creation that God has entrusted to us remains safe and life-giving. I don't have any announcements today, except just to remind you that uh, we, take these, we tape these services on Tuesday afternoons. And so that means that anything that happens between uh, Tuesday around supper time and a Sunday morning when you see this, uh, we haven't been aware of. So I know that this week there's a lot of things that uh, potentially could happen or might happen. So um, please know that uh, we have taped this on a very quiet Tuesday afternoon and uh, on a beautiful day. So if, uh, if there are things that transpired this week and you think, boy, that seems kind of untimely, uh, you'll know why. As we light this candle, we acknowledge the Christ candle, the light of the world, the light which can never be put out by our human endeavors. For the light of Christ shines brightly whether we see it or not. It is always there. It is here every time we worship, whether in this place or in many places, for Christ is indeed with us. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God, we gather today. We gather in many places, and yet we gather in your name. We gather to worship you, to thank you for all of the goodness in our lives, the people that we love, and to hold dear those whom we are <clears throat> concerned about, to hold in your hands the world that we might come together and be one people. Open our eyes and our ears, our minds, and mostly open our hearts to hear anew your good news, to take that good news into this, your world, for this is a broken and hurting world. And may we simply take this light, this light of Christ, to all of the places that we go and be your light especially in dark places. Amen.
our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Jonah. Jonah was one of the minor prophets. And I'm reading at the very beginning of the book, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to us, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. May God add blessing to these words, and may they come alive for us in today's world. Amen.
Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So how, how are you all doing? It's been, gosh, it's been almost 10 months since we've gathered in this building. I just, March 15th of 2020, it's been a long time. And we've been going through different stages of, of lockdown and opening up and then gradually having to shut down again. So it's, it's been a long haul. And I know uh, lots of people are getting pretty bored and uh, uh, wanting to get outside. Of course, we can't really, right now in the winter, we can get out and ski and snowshoe and those kinds of things. But um, I wonder if uh, some of you are maybe watching a few more movies or uh, reading more books, doing more puzzles. Um, I know that some people that have Netflix uh, have really been taking up a lot of movies and enjoying that. I don't have Netflix, but because I like to go to the movie theater and see a movie on a full screen. Of course, that's not possible right now. Uh, so I've had to content myself with reading a book or putting a puzzle together. But um, for those of you who do enjoy movies and maybe have access to, to getting some movies, I want to make reference briefly uh, to a movie that came out a few years ago. In fact, I think uh, our congregation tried to go to it, but it was full. The movie was called The Shack. And it's a fictional story that was written by gentlemen, and it's based on theological uh, theological story. Now, I never saw the movie, but I did read the book. And in that movie, the main character is, um, is called by God. He sort of receives um, a sense of feeling that he needs to return to a, a cabin uh, that he had in the past, and which he refers to as um, the shack. And <clears throat> he doesn't know it at the beginning of the story, but... The reason he has to go back to that cabin is that a terrible tragedy took place there. His daughter was actually murdered there and he's being brought back to this place to heal from this in a way that he hasn't been able to. Now, when I say heal from it, he's gone on with his life after this horrible, horrible horrific tragedy, just unthinkable tragedy in his family. And so he just gets this sense that he has to go back, he has to go to this place that he calls the shack. Well, he has no idea what's going to trans transpire there. And when he realizes that, um, that he's being confronted by what happened and by his, his need to, for, to enter a time of forgiveness, he wants to run away from that place because, as he says, I don't want to forgive the perpetrator of this horrific crime. I want him to suffer the way I've suffered. And yet, as he meets God in this place, he realizes that forgiveness is about setting the prisoner free and realizing that he himself is the prisoner. And forgiveness is not about um, pretending that it didn't happen, or, or sugarcoating anything. 
But forgiveness, rather, is about letting it go. It's about releasing that person to God and letting God take care of that and releasing that so that it doesn't burn um, his or mine or your, whoever's holding that, that terrible pain. It doesn't, it doesn't scorch you so badly inside. You can no longer function. And so I want to back up for a minute because, you see, this is precisely what Jonah, who we hear about today um, in the scripture, this is precisely the thing that he was doing. He received a call from God that he was to go to Nineveh and preach and, and to help the people in Nineveh to repent. And again, repentance simply means to turn around, to, to change their ways. And Jonah didn't want to do this because he didn't like the people in Nineveh. He hated them. And he didn't think they were worthy of God's love. And just to put it in context, um, Nineveh was in Assyria and Jonah was a Hebrew. And the Assyrians and the Hebrews um, were, were enemies. They, they, were, they locked horns all the time. And really, there's, there's no nicer word to use than hate. They hated each other. And so now Jonah receives this call to head off to Nineveh and, and preach a gospel of love and acceptance and repentance. And he says, oh, wait a minute. No, forget it, God. You got the wrong person. I, I'm not doing this. And so he decides that he's going to make his own decisions. And that's exactly what happens. When God calls us to something, we can say no. This is not, this, God doesn't act like a puppet, you know, pulling the strings of a marionette. But we can say no to God's call. We've all done that. I've done it too. But we don't rest. Things just don't, don't work out until we, we realize that we have to answer that call. So Jonah decides that he's going to take things into his own hands. And he decides to get on a ship and head for Tarshish. Now, Joppa is in um, Joppa is in uh, what would be modern day, just around what would be modern day Tel Aviv, and um, of course Tarshish is on the uh, the Sea of Galilee. So Jonah gets on this boat and decides he's he's going to head out, uh, do something else, get away from this because he really is quite troubled about this, this sense that he has. And how many of us have not distracted ourselves when we feel we're called to do something, we have that nagging sense that we should do something, and all of a sudden we find just a hundred other things that have to be done in that moment? I can tell you that when I had to study for organic chemistry exams my second year at university, I did some amazing embroidery. I have never done embroidery before or since, but when I had to study for organic chemistry exams, I did amazing, lovely embroidery, still have it. So isn't that the way that when we have something we really don't want to do, we can find a million other things that all of a sudden are taking priority for us. Where Jonah was going, we don't know. He was just trying to get away, uh, clear his head. Well, as the story goes, and lots of us know this story from Sunday school, there was a big storm. There was a big storm. And 
as any good sailors would do in a big storm, uh, they try to lighten the load, right? So throwing overboard anything that's really not necessary. And they really don't know who Jonah is. That's why they ask him, well, who are you and where have you come from? I says, well, I'm a Hebrew. And the other people on the boat were not Hebrews. And I thought, you know what? Here's a little bit of first century racism. This guy's not one of us, right? So he's bringing this problem to us and we're gonna get rid of him. And hopefully that'll calm the storm. See, again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Racism and um, sense of being entitled, all those things, they have been with humankind throughout, throughout, throughout time. So Jonah's off in the sea. As we know the story, the whale swallows him, spits him up on the shore three days later. Now, I know when I was in Sunday school, there was a picture of Jonah on the wall and there was a little table and chairs inside Jonah's, inside the whale and all this kind of, I, I, I really doubt that's exactly how it happened. But when you're in Sunday school, you know, uh, you think about the whale and about Jonah and about swallowing. But when we look at this, using our, our rational mind and using our sense of, of reason and and scholarship and intellect that God has also gifted us with, we can see that regardless of what happened inside the whale or whether the whale swallowed Jonah and spit him out on the shore, Jonah had a time out. And given the metaphors that we have, that Jonah was swallowed by the whale, probably there wasn't a lot of light in that cavity. So Jonah had some kind of time out that was difficult, where he had some time to kind of reconsider what he was doing and why he was trying to run away from these people. And in that time, he realized that the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh was because he didn't like the people there. But God had said to him, you know what? I like the people there. They're my people as well. And I need you to do this job. I know you don't want to do it, but I've chosen you because you're the person that can do it. And it's important that it get done. Well, isn't that just uh, kind of a cruel joke, isn't it? When you find out that you've been chosen for a job because you're the one that can do it. It's kind of a backhanded compliment. It was like me when I got sent off to a very isolated place in my first pastoral charge and when I talked to the personnel minister about it and he said, well, you know what, Kathy, we've sent you, we know it's isolated, we know it's tough, but we've sent you there because we know you can handle it. Oh, gee, thanks. Maybe I, you know, gee, thanks. So God has said to, to Jonah, I need you to do this job. You're the one I've chosen because you're the one that can do it. It needs to be done. And so again, it's similar to, if you read that book, The Shack, and, and it's, a, it's a worthwhile read. And now that we're sort of um, locked down again or, or in a state of emergency for at least another two or three weeks, it might be worthwhile to get it and just, just have a, it's, it's not a difficult read, but it makes you really think. And just like, like Mac, the character in the book who, or the movie, who 
who gets this sense of 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 this urging that he's got to get back to this this cabin or this cottage, this shack that he calls it. He doesn't know why, but when he gets there, he finds out that the tasks that he's going to do there, he really doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to forgive the person that murdered his daughter because he wants him to suffer. And he doesn't think he's worthwhile of God's love. But God says, you know what? Release him to me. Just let it go. I want you to heal. Just release him to me. And I will look after it from there. Just, just let it go. And so when Mac is able to do that, and it's, it's not easy, it's very painful, but when he's able to do that, he's able to heal in a way that he never could have imagined. And he understands at that point that that is why he was called to that, to that place. And likewise, our story Jonah, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. But once he had had this time out and, and was able to think it through and realize that, okay, maybe I don't want to do that, but this is where I need to be. So he goes to Nineveh, he preaches, he preaches a message of repentance, a message of, hey, listen, it's time to, to, to change, to turn yourself around. And a very interesting thing happens. A very interesting thing happens. And that is that Jonah is changed himself because of what he's done and gone through and because of what's happened in Nineveh. So if he had not gone there, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened. And I think that more than anything, that's such a crucial message from, from this story. Because sometimes, and I know... I know that you've had those times, because I've had them too, <clears throat> and I don't think I'm really much different than anybody else. Those times when we really don't want to do something. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're terrified. Maybe we just can't be bothered. Maybe we don't like a situation, or we don't like the way people are behaving in a situation. And we get that sense that, hey, you know what? I need to speak up. I need to do something. I, I, need to, I need to somehow be a part of this. I don't know how or why, but I've got this nagging, this nagging sense inside of me that, that I have to be somewhere or do something. Follow that sense, because that's how God calls us. And the situation that we go into may not be one we would choose. And we get there and we go, what? Uh, this is a call? Like, this is a cruel joke. This is insanity. And yet, and yet, when we take that first step, that baby step like Jonah did, even if we have to, you know, get on a boat and get spit out or, you know, go off and find ourselves or retool, whatever, it happens all through our lives. But when we finally realize that we have to at least acknowledge the call, acknowledge that sense that something's happening, and look at it, and face it in, straight in the face, then the fear starts to, to melt away. And then we start to see why we're there. 
and what's happened. Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, Home by Another Way, describes that sense of nagging call this way. Sometimes following may mean casting the same old nets in the same way, or casting the same old nets in a new way, or for new reasons. It may mean doing something different with the fish that you catch, or spending the money they bring in at market a different way. It may mean reorganizing the whole fishing business so that the drifters down at the pier have work to do and everyone who works receives a decent wage. It may mean doing less every day, not more, so that there's time to watch how the light changes on the water. So many different ways. This call that, this call that we may be receiving right now, because they come all the time. It may not be the ones that we hear about, the ones that make the news, where people completely change their lives, uh, give up their fortunes, and go and live totally differently. That, that certainly happens, and it's wonderful to see it. But it may be something, as Barbara Brown Taylor says, casting the same nets in a, in a new way, or casting the same nets on the other side of the boat. It may not be as big as we're making it up to be in our minds. It may be as simple as repenting. And in that, we simply turn ourselves around. Oh, wow. Gee, this is a really different, this is a whole different view. What can I learn from this? So, all I'm saying is when you feel those nagging pangs, when you feel that sense, trust it, because that is God. That is God urging you and nudging you to the next step. And like Jonah, don't beat yourself up if at first you run away, if at first you're frightened and find all kinds of other things. When I first felt God calling me to the ministry, I ran as hard as I could for as long as I could. Six years, as a matter of fact. Seven, I think. Six or seven, lost count. Because there were so many other things I had to do and be and so many other ways that I was going to answer God's call. And God just kept patiently waiting until finally I had exhausted all of those things. Just like Jonah in the three days in the belly of the whale. I spent seven years doing all kinds of things that I really didn't enjoy and didn't want and because I was so frightened about what this meant. Deep down I knew I knew that I had to take that first step, but I was afraid because I was busy running ahead of, okay, what if, and what if, and what if, and oh my goodness. Okay, I got, I got some embroidery waiting for me back here. And then once I kind of wore myself out from all that, I realized that I didn't have to figure it all out. All that I had to do was take that first step and just acknowledge, yes, God, you're calling me to something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I'm going to take that first step. A very wise person that I knew many years ago, a clinical psychologist, said, so often we put ourselves through an incredible amount of pain and suffering because we're afraid of the painful five minutes that come between where we are now and what we need to be or where we need to be. And she was referring to something I was, 
This was in my wilderness years when I was running away from God. And so I was going to leave the job that I had to do something else. But I was afraid to tell my employer that I was leaving, even though I really didn't like the job and it was very dead end. You know, these, these silly things eh, that we get caught up on. And so there was that painful five minutes that I had to sit down and write the resignation letter, give it to my employer, and then move on. And that was holding me back, that five minutes. And what she said is, imagine where you are now, and imagine after you've, you've done that, after that five minutes, and that'll help you to get through it. And I think that that's exactly what Barbara Brown Taylor is saying. It's exactly what the, gospel, the um, prophet Jonah, what we're hearing by the prophet Jonah. There's that little space where we're afraid or we're angry or we're hurting or we have unhealed pain. And so we don't have to go from here over to here in one step. They go from here to here and then to here and to here, one step at a time. So I hope that you will be able to see that making those changes, hearing God's call, moving towards where you need to be, it's just tiny little baby steps. And you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Because in each little baby step, God's there. And you can always step back from a baby step if it's too fast. So take the time. Might be, it might be when you're out walking the dog. It might be when you're having a shower. It might be when you're on your way to work. It might be in the middle of cooking dinner. It might be in the middle of what you're doing in your job. If you feel that little sense, that little spark, don't let it go. Nurture it. See where it leads you. Take that little step and you will find that your life will be changed. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Do you please join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. God, we live in a world that sometimes frightens us. So many things go on around us that we don't seem to have any control over. So many things happen that we don't understand. And sometimes it can leave us wondering where you are. Sometimes it can leave us wondering what it is that we are to do. We read the stories and we say, well, you know, that was a long time ago. It's not like today. Yet it is like today. Because your people have been created by you through all time. Your people have the same feelings, wants and desires. It's just that the context changes. And the situations may change, but the theme is the same. And so we hear about someone like Jonah, who skipped out of town so that he could get away from you. And we either laugh or blush with embarrassment when we realize how many times we've skipped out of town, metaphorically, to get away from you or to get away from what we feel that you're asking us to do, who you're calling us to be. Because we don't trust that, that we're good enough or that we have enough or that, or that it's going to be acceptable. But that's not how you work. Because you choose who's going to do what. You choose how we are to be. We just have to, we just have to say yes to you and the rest falls in place. And so God, we ask you in this time, in this, this winter time of darkness and less light, less heat, less of a lot of things, that we simply can hear you and feel you nudging us and feel you stepping with us as we step forward to take that one tiny baby step. We don't have to do it all at once. In fact, what we have to do is simply answer your call step by step. And the rest is laid out for us. We get things complicated that aren't as complicated in the beginning. So God be with us. Be with us and help us to see all the good things around us. Help us to give thanks for the people in our lives, especially the ones who annoy us and anger us because they too have things to teach us and they too are loved by you. Help us to give thanks for the times when we're brushing the snow off the car and wishing we didn't have to get out to go to work and then remembering that so many people are wishing that they had work to do. So many hands are idle and so many minds are not being used. Help us to remember and give thanks in those times. Help us to give thanks, oh God, at the end of the day, especially on the days when everything's gone wrong and we just want to scream and we get frustrated. But then we realize that the person we met on the elevator smiled. Or we remember that a coworker shared a difficult story with us 
and trusted us enough to hear that story. And we remember that those things are gifts, gifts from you. And so God, when we think about gifts, we're going to ask you now to give some gifts to people that are important to us. Because there's a lot of people in our congregation and in our, our larger circles of friends and family who are hurting and who are so needing to have your presence, to so feel that you are holding them in your heart. And we name them to you with Marge and uh, <clears throat> Doug Givings. We name to you Jan Whitmer. We name to you Linda and Eleanor and Carolyn and Gerald and Ron. And we ask you to especially help them to remember that they are not alone. We ask you to wrap your arms around the McCullough family because they couldn't say goodbye to Lola in the way that they wanted to. And neither could we as a congregation, but we will. We ask you, O oh God, especially to keep in your heart and in your mind our leaders, because a lot of us are very angry at some of our leaders right now. And, and we feel that entitlement and privilege has run amok. And we want them to pay for things the way we've had to pay for things. And maybe that's not the way it's going to be. But let us release them into your care and let you deal with things and help us to deal with what it is that we are to deal with. That each one of us is called every day to repentance, to turn ourselves around and to remember that what's important is love but what's important is kindness and fairness. And even though we might may see others around us that are not partaking of those things, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish what we do and how we behave and how we live. And each time we live in peace and each time we love, we add that to the cosmic order. We add that to the whole world. So may we not diminish contributions of each and every one of us, because Jesus never did. And as we remember him, we remember the prayer that he taught us, saying together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.